Hi, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime, covering all eras of film, not just the 1980s, at Quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I also encourage you to check out the link to my other podcast called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. You can find it at that website. Today I'm going to be getting into the third part of a three-part series in which a hero has to travel back in time to the present day in order to take down a villain from the future. And we did the first two Terminator films. Of course, we're going to follow that up with a movie that has a lot of similarities to those Terminator films, even though it came out pretty much around the same time as the first Terminator, a little bit after. It is called Trancers. It started a kind of a long-running series on its own. Actually, there were six transfer films altogether, maybe even six and a half if you want to count a short that they did. It came out in 1984, technically, at least in some part of the world. However, in the United States, it was not released until 1985 in May, more specifically. It's a PG-13 rated film. It does have violence, disturbing images, and language. The runtime is a very short hour and 16 minutes. Tim Thomerson is the main star, with Helen Hunt getting a sizable supporting role. Michael Stefani, Art LaFleur, Telma Hopkins, Richard Hurd, Ann Seymour, and Biff Maynard also get supporting roles. The director is Charles Band, and the screenplay credited to Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. Those names sound familiar to you. They wrote the screenplay to The Rocketeer a few years after this. Charles Band, if you know that name, he's a B-movie maestro. He's directed a lot of low-budget films, mostly in horror and sci-fi over the years. This is specifically a combination of both, this blending of Blade Runner, The Terminator, some elements of the James Bond films, a particular hook from the John D. McDonald novel called The Girl, The Gold Watch, and Everything, which itself had been adapted into a couple of TV movies in the early 1980s, which may be one of the reasons why there was an inspiration there. Hard-boiled film noir classics are also in the mix, offering this film its own campy flair. We start this movie off in the neon-tinged year of 2247. Much of the old Los Angeles is submerged by the ocean after the Great Quake. The remnants of the city is called Angel City in the future. What's left of the city? There are law enforcement officers called troopers. One such trooper is Jack Death, played by Tim Thomerson. Troopers are out taking down, or as they call it, singeing, trancers, trancers being weak-minded people, dubbed by them as squids, who easily come under the hypnotic, homicidal, zombie-like spell, not quite alive, not dead enough, of a nefarious Charles Manson-esque cult leader named Martin Whistler. Whistler is somebody that Jack Death sees as responsible for the murder of his wife by a trancer. Death thinks that he has taken down Whistler once and for all, only he learns later that the telepathic supervillain is actually still alive, but he has avoided Death, D-E-T-H, and Death, D-E-A-T-H, by traveling back in time to Los Angeles in late 1985 with something called a time serum, which allows someone to go back through time by using their conscience into the body of another person, kind of like Quantum Leap, which this movie predates by a few years, but they can only go into the past to someone in their direct family lineage. So go back to your mother or father and their mother or father or their mother and father, and you can jump back in time into inhabiting the body of one of those. 
1985, Whistler hopes to terminate the ancestors of this three-person High Council of the Western Territories. These are members who took him down in 2247. Jack Death always gets his man, so he too plans to go back in time to stop Whistler once and for all. He inhabits his consciousness into one of his own ancestors who happens to live in Los Angeles. He's a sleazeball journalist named Philip Deathton, who happens to be a dead ringer for Jack Death 300 years later. Along with Phil's young girlfriend named Lena, played by Helen Hunt, Death is going to have to be crafty to take down his target because Whistler is inhabiting the body of his own ancestor, who happens to be an LAPD detective and has already channeled a number of trancers to use to his cause to protect him as he takes down the last council member's ancestor, this down-and-out alcoholic ex-pro baseball pitcher currently living on Skid Row named Biff Maynard. I really go into the heavy details there as far as the plot goes because I find this plot so interesting and amusing. It's obviously derivative of other films, and yet it feels so original to its own campy take. The makers of Trancers, which in some parts of the world, if you're listening to this podcast from places like Australia or other territories, it was known in the 80s more generically as Future Cop. It had a budget of about $400,000, and it made the best of that money. It has modest but very effective retro-futuristic visual effects. There's a whole solid collection of character actors that bring personality into this film. Tim Thomerson, he's a former stand-up comedian who ended up studying acting. He makes for a very charismatic, tough-guy lead. He offers up that quirky mix of pulp detective self-seriousness amid this absurd and eerie surrounding that is the making of very campy fun. Fish-out-of-water gags are kept to kind of a minimum. I mean, there's like an instance here where he doesn't know how to pronounce Cahuenga Boulevard, for instance. But, you know, there are very few non-Los Angelinos today that actually know how to pronounce it. Thomerson and company offer up just what the story needs to progress forward without needless gags. The whole story clocking in at a very economical 76 minutes. Helen Hunt here in an early role. She makes for a very spirited sidekick, energetic, enthusiastic all in that requisite, vapid Southern California way. That's in good contrast to the more taciturn and gruff Jack Death. Reportedly, Betty Davis was supposed to be in this film. She was sought after to play one of the members of the High Council, Chairman Ash, but the role would eventually go to Ann Seymour. Seymour was supposed to be in this film a lot more than she is. Her own part was pared down considerably during the shoot because her memory was so spotty that she had trouble remembering what she was supposed to say for her lines for very long. Now, Trancers does a very good job here in encapsulating the stereotypes that we might associate with the mid-1980s that we might envision today, though it was done in real time. I mean, punk rock, tanny salons, the fitness craze, a lot of that wild 1980s fashion, big hair, of course, all of the rest that you expect, they're all put into the mix, and that makes this a movie experience that helps it stand up remarkably well today, especially with this added flavor of nostalgia to draw in those who enjoy the era. I think the only headache that you're going to get here is in trying to take any of what you're seeing seriously or logically. You know, Time travel flicks are almost always headache-inducing if you try to piece the timelines and the events together, and Trancers is not a film that's made by people who really care to hash out their reasoning. It's a movie that really prefers to keep the story moving to the fun part without losing the interest by trying to ensure that it all makes some sort of sense. Even the time-slowing watch that Jack Death wears, it's a gadget that turns one second into ten for the wearer, essentially allowing the possessor of the watch to move normally while the rest of the world around them goes very slowly. 
It doesn't last 10 seconds. Sometimes it's half a minute. Sometimes it's like nearly two minutes long. I don't know how the watch seems to know how long the task is going to take at hand and adjust itself accordingly. Despite its budget, Trancers did not have success at the box office, and that was reportedly due to a bad distribution deal that made it very difficult to find screenings outside of the Los Angeles area. It did fare much better when it hit home video. It quickly found an audience among genre aficionados, and its rentals and its sales would eventually propel interest in creating a 24-minute short film called Trancers City of Los Angeles that was produced in 1988. It was intended to be one of a three-part film anthology called Pulse Pounders, but Empire International Pictures produced transfers would end up going bankrupt shortly after it was produced, so it was long thought lost, but they ended up finding a work print of the film in 2011, and from that they ended up remastering it and releasing it. As a DVD extra, it wasn't officially available until 2013. Full Moon's streaming channel ended up putting it out there first, and if you get the DVD or Blu-ray release that has a lot of extra features, you're no doubt going to find Transfer's City of Los Angeles on that disc. I ended up watching it for the purpose of this, and it is uh, actually worth watching. If you enjoyed Transfer's, I definitely do recommend checking that out as well. The relative popularity of the first film over the years resulted in the release of Transfer's 2 in 1991, so about six years later. And Transfer's 2, which also starred many of the same cast, it was followed by three additional straight-to-video sequels that featured Tim Thomerson in the early to mid-1990s. And then there was one more, a Thomerson-less follow-up. Uh, Jack Death Body Double was used behind some of the archival footage of the actual Thomerson. That was released in 2002, titled Trancers 6. It was not nearly as well-received, and pretty much the Trancers series ended there, even though Thomerson has talked about coming back for another one. It does have a cult following, but it is a small cult following. Not really big enough, I think, to get a theatrical release again anyway. If you're a Charles Band fan, certainly you've seen Trancers. A lot of people like Charles Band's repertoire of B-movies. A lot of people consider Trancers to be the best film that he ever directed. So that loyal following finds it infinitely rewatchable for this very short but very entertaining goofy B-movie fix whenever they are in the mood for that. I think that's another reason to go back to 1985 yourself and you don't have to inhabit the body of one of your family members to do it, of course. All in all, I do recommend Transfers. It is a B-movie, but it is a good example of a B-movie. Very fun to watch. And for that, I'm going to give it three stars out of four. Three stars on my scale means that I do recommend it for those people who like this kind of movie. If you like your kitschy, low-budget sci-fi horror films, especially if they're really goofy, I do definitely think that Transfers is going to be right up your alley. Mainstream moviegoers may not enjoy this as much as, say, watching The Terminator or Blade Runner or any of the other films from which it draws inspiration, but it definitely is going to be quite a hit for those people who like their deep genre flicks. So three stars out of four is what I'm giving Trancers. Although I did dabble into reviewing Terminator 2, which came out in 1991, and Trancers 2, coincidentally, maybe not so coincidentally, also came out in 1991, I'm going to end my look at Transfers here. I did talk about Transfers 1.5, the 24-minute short City of Los Angeles, so I guess that's kind of a review in and of itself. So I will leave Transfers here. From here, we're going to get into another trilogy of films, and I'm going to go into one of my favorite films of all time, a movie that was a big influence on Transfers. I'm talking about the aforementioned Blade Runner. 
from 1982. Blade Runner will kick off a new trilogy of films of the 1980s. I'll get into what that is starting next week. So check that out. If you haven't seen it for a long time, I do definitely recommend watching Blade Runner. At least one of the versions. I think there's like five or six different versions that you can watch. But any one of them, I think you can't go wrong. Blade Runner from 1982, a Ridley Scott classic for next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have your own thoughts on Trancers or any of the films I've talked about in the past, or if you have a recommendation as to a movie that I have not covered yet that you want to see me get to sometime relatively soon, I do encourage you to reach out to me. You can find my contact information at my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks, everyone, for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies.